Hi, fam, and welcome to this new Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. I am your host and the best-selling author of Animal Power Book and Deck, Allison Charles Story. And today we are diving into the spirit of your home with Cody Marr. She's a triple certified health coach and simple shui house therapist. In 2010, after a decade performing around the world as an aerialist and acrobat, Cody was grounded by a near-fatal health crisis. Through restoring her own vitality, she discovered a passion for wellness, and she is now the founder of Agency Wellness, which focuses on helping people expand their vision, knowledge, and practice of what it means to be well. And her other mission as a house therapist is to help her clients see their homes as living entities that hold a vital influence in their lives. Through the wisdom of feng shui, Cody guides clients to align their spaces with the energy of fortune and opportunity and helps them witness the magic of living with intention. And I can say that bio is accurate as I invited Cody into our home here in Texas to do her house therapy analysis for us. We get into those interesting discoveries on today's episode along with what exactly feng shui is, practical tips you can instantly implement to your living space to feel enhanced and enriched energy, what getting a home report from her is like and how you can do it too, her wild background working in those circuses as an aerialist and acrobat and what that time taught her, how she overcame her near fatal health crisis and so much more, including her guiding us in a signature closing ceremony circle closing practice that happens at the end of every single episode here. So fam, are you ready to heal the spirit of your home with house therapy? Well then if the answer is yes, let's get into it right now with Cody Marr. Recording is in progress. Here, <laughs> here we are. Hi, Cody. Hi, Allison. Oh, I've been looking forward to this. And Me too. Um, yeah, before we landed here, I always like to do a little tune in at my altar, you know, before each episode, just to see if there's any other little piece that wants to make its way into the flow. And where I was taken with you and I was just... Um, you know, just sharing honestly with the soul fam listening to us and sitting with us today about our pretty unique trajectory knowing each other. There's definitely not been a guest that I've had on who has been in my previous tiny cave of a Brooklyn apartment and fed my cat when I was traveling, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Special I, space. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to start there and give the listeners a little bit of a context. Not that it's really that important, but I feel like we track back like what, like seven, six, eight, seven six, years. Yeah. Six, seven years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did it begin with you being aware of my shamanic offerings? Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm pretty sure I heard you on a podcast and I just had this like to reach out. And I reached out and you weren't doing all that much private work at that time, but you were still doing some. And so you came and did a session with me. And we realized at that time that we lived really close to one another, like a few blocks away. And so I think when next you traveled, you, for whatever reason, thought of me and asked if I would take care of your precious jelly. And it was my honor and pleasure. So that's how that began. And you were so sweet. You would always leave me like the most special little gifts and stuff in your space. And it was just like, 
really, yeah, nice to do. Well, yeah, it's interesting because when I reflect back to that time in my life, how I landed in that apartment was really intriguing. And yeah, I just felt like it wanted to be spoken to for some reason. And then we'll get more specifically into (laughs) your journey and feng shui. Yeah, of course. You know, especially since it involves space, spaces and home spaces, Mm -hmm, because mm I had previously been in a different Brooklyn neighborhood that you could definitely consider to be a a much rougher area of Brooklyn, you know, Cobble Hill, where the last place I was at, the place that you would come and watch Jelly at and where you lived, Cobble Hill is, you know, a really beautiful area, probably considered one of the safest, if not the safest in Brooklyn and uh, has beautiful brownstone homes, but my previous neighborhood and previous place before that, actually the two places before that were in much rougher spots. And I just knew I had to get out of the previous location because the people living above me, it was just an incredibly toxic situation. You know, I could hear them getting into pretty vicious arguments and fights where I was sensing that there might be some physical abuse taking place at times. And it was really wild for me coming from having my awakening, being through a really toxic, at times abusive relationship, and then being witness to a a dynamic that felt very similar to the one that I had in the past. And so there was all sorts of intriguing medicine going on there. There was a last straw moment where I I actually, yeah, I won't get into too many details because it's like pretty other level situation, but I'll just say there was an occurrence with them where I just knew, like if I didn't get Mm -hmm. out of there, something potentially like incredibly dangerous could happen to me. So Mm -hmm. uh, long story short, I went to a friend's brunch and I think it was the same day that I knew I had to move apartments. I just knew it was an emergency situation. And a friend at that brunch that same day said, does anybody looking for a new place? And my hand just shot up. And I was like, me, a couple other people did, but I was like, no, bitch. Like, like, you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, cause it was like a really dire situation. So there were a few, and you know how it's tough to come by places in New York city, but I was like this, whatever you're asking about, it's mine. And on paper, (laughs) I shouldn't have been able to really get that place in Cobble Hill, even though Mm. it was tiny and it was in an old, pretty decrepit building. And it was not, even though it was in a nice neighborhood, it was not a nice apartment. But still, because of the the neighborhood, the rent was pretty high. And on paper, you know, I, I shouldn't have technically been able to get it, but somehow... I did. But then the interesting piece that I wanted to speak to with that place is you were probably one of only a literally less than a handful of people that I ever let walk into that apartment because Mm. I held like some shame around just how small it was and how old the building was. And, you know, I was out there doing such big, powerful things in the world, but my home did Mm. not represent who I knew myself to be. I really, really carried so much shame and embarrassment 
around that, that even one of my closest friends who now lives here in Texas, who I've known for probably more than a decade, she asked me somewhat recently, she's like, how come you never had me over to your place in Brooklyn? Cause we used to, she used to live in Brooklyn too. And I said, honestly, it was just embarrassment. And she said, I wondered about that. And um, yeah, so I'm just curious, starting there, like, is there anything just from your perspective now being, what do you call yourself again? A house home therapist? I'm a simple Shui certified house therapist. Yes. But that is, is a bit um, of a tongue Practice twister. through the wisdom. <laughs> it's a big one. Yeah. Practice through the wisdom of feng shui. So yeah. So isn't that interesting uh, though? You know, like. I know. Fast forwarding to you have gotten into this work and and you're you know when you reflect back it's just kind of a trippy trajectory that i had you do a home tour of this beautiful home i'm so blessed to live in now with my husband and two cute pets and hopefully starting a family here but you knew me from a time where i carried a lot of embarrassment about my home and it not feeling mm. like a reflection of who i was yeah that's really interesting and you know, it just speaks to the whole conversation that we're going to get into about the relationships that we have with our home and how feng shui is so intuitive. And I'm wondering if the space did feel safe to you, though, because it seems like what you were going for when you were moving was safety, right? And my experience of that space, first of all, I never judged you, just so we're clear. But second of all, my experience of that space was like, this feels really safe you know, this feels like a safe space. And this feels like, like a place that someone could really just like be in their world. There was a very feeling of that. And so it's interesting because it was like, it was, it was somewhat reflective. Please, please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it was somewhat reflective of where you were with your inner world, like doing this deep inner work, needing that safety, needing to be held, needing some privacy, which at that time, I guess you're saying it was kind of incongruent with your outer presentation, right? Is that sort of where you're going with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 getting into some uh resonant pieces here because yes, my primary thing was safety and that place always did completely embody that. And when I look back to that time in my life, yes, it was my shamanic cave chapter of my journey, you mm -hmm. know, when you hear of different shamans or spiritual teachers going into these much like more inward and incredibly deep, deepest times of their life of doing the inner work. And those were the years at that Brooklyn place where I was probably doing the deepest shadow work. Yeah, I honestly didn't leave my place much at all. My sensitivities were heightening. I was realizing more and more my central nervous system couldn't handle New York City any longer. I was noticing sometimes when I would go into Manhattan for meetings or whatever that I would almost pass out. Like I would be walking down the sidewalk and I would almost conk out just from the clashing of energetics. And each trip that I would take, most likely when you would be in my place taking care of jelly bean, my black Persian cat, for those who don't know, um, like when I went to Israel and was, you know, walking the streets of Old Town Jerusalem and having these wild shamanic experiences on top of Masada or going to Bali, like all of those trips I was taking while living in that place, when I would be coming back to the States and especially landing in JFK or whatever, I would have to go in the bathroom before getting into a cab to go home and just like, 
just mm. try to tell myself I could get through this. The energetics were just no longer a match. And so with all that being said, yes, that, that shamanic cave of an apartment did feel so incredibly safe. Yeah. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head there, but what felt incongruent was, yes, I was you know, in all of these big magazines and, and it's kind of one of those classic funny stories of public figures or celebrities or whatever, where out at events or premieres or in magazines, they're wearing really fancy clothes and, you know, look a certain way. But I think especially if you're in New York City living, they're most likely going back to a <laughs> shoebox of a, of a home that's in an old building and, um, pretty rough living. And yeah, that's where it felt off to me, you know, and that's where I carried the shame. So I don't yeah. know if there's any last little piece that you want to say before I shift on, but I just thought that was so fascinating to start with. Yeah, I think it is super fascinating. And I think also, you know, one way that I always use space is that it is a relationship. So you were offering something to that space as well. So sometimes our homes aren't meant for us to be in for very long and they are meant to challenge us and they are meant to evoke certain things. And it's not always this black and white reflection of like who, you know, our, our highest self. Sometimes it's like, what do we need to learn at this time? How is this home going to help propel me? And sometimes then the home will just kick you out and be like, all right, we're done, like move on, you know? So it's a nuanced thing. And I'm glad we're starting here because I think it sort of sets the stage nicely for people to understand that, there is no black and white and it is very a very nuanced thing when you start to talk about feng shui and also the relationship of people and their homes. The last little bit that was coming in when you were just doing that share was up until now, I had never in my whole life ever moved into a place or lived in a place where I knew I was going to be there for a super long time and wanted to put in the energy and effort to tend to it. Every single move I made, you know, whether it was in Indiana, Alabama, Florida, New York City, LA, like all the states, all the places I've lived, upon moving into the new place, I already knew I'm not gonna be here long. That makes no sense for me to invest in making this fancy, doing all of this design and decor work when I know this is temporary. And that was, mm -hmm. that was a big reason why in that last Brooklyn location, it was the same thing. And I thought, you know, this is an old building. I can feel safe in this little cocoon and this cave It's giving me what I need. And what's that saying, putting a, putting lipstick on a pig or whatever, <laughs> like, Right. <laughs> totally. You know, um, yeah. And so, and so now it's really such a cool shift and big piece of evolution for me to be sitting here in this home and to be working with a partner, my husband to like really cultivate and take it down to the bare bones, which we'll get into, um, in terms of the renovation. I had never, neither one of us had ever had that life experience until now. But before we get into that and your, you know, analysis of our home and all of those things, I want to give people a little bit of a background on your personal journey, because I've mm -hmm. forgotten that you, in your bio, it said, in 2010, after a decade performing around the world as an aerialist and acrobat, Cody was grounded by a near fatal health crisis. And 
I forgot about the acrobatic part of you. So take us through a little bit of that. Yeah, thank you. So from the time I can remember, like when I was eight years old, I went to Club Med with my family and I flew in the flying trapeze. And that was like love at first flight, for lack of a better word. And that's sort of all I ever wanted to do. And it was kind of a strange thing to want to do. I grew up in New York City. I didn't grow up in a circus family. Circus, which is much more popular now, but back when I was growing up in the late 80s and 90s, wasn't a thing. Like people would say, oh, what are you going to be a clown? You know, like it was it was kind of a joke to people when I'd say, I want to be a circus performer, you know. It just was this thing inside of me. And so after college, I moved to Vermont so it was just one of those random occurrences. I met so-and-so and so-and-so met so-and-so. And, so and, so. and um, I ended up training and teaching at a school in Vermont called the New England Center for Circus Arts and ended up having a career as an aerialist and traveling the world. And it was fantastic and wonderful and brutal. And um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And in the midst of that, I would say about halfway through that, so about five years into that, I was diagnosed with a disease called ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. So it was this really interesting juxtaposition. I always think about it like I was this sparkly, it's almost interesting because it was similar to what we started this conversation with, but outwardly, I was this wearing these sparkly unitards and everyone was like, look at her and, you know, doing all these fancy sparkly things. And inside I was literally bleeding from the inside out. And, you know, just my body was breaking down and I was pushing myself so hard. And that all just kind of came to a culmination in 2010, between 2010 and 2012. And the result of that, it was that I ended up having to have my entire large intestine removed, um, which led to a lot of surgeries and this whole deep dive. Uh, but it really just shifted. I, I, circus was not an option anymore. <laughs> it was not, that was not something that I was going to go back to. And I feel, I felt and feel really complete with that. I felt a completion there. Um, so yeah, having that experience in my body, really just propelled me into a whole new space with learning about health and healing. And it's been a rough decade for sure. You know, lots of surgery. I've had um, six major abdominal surgeries and, but I've learned so much along the way. And I'm, you know, I'm not someone that's going to say like, I'm super thankful for that experience because that doesn't really feel true to me, but I am uh, in acceptance of that experience and I can really recognize everything that it's given me and propelled me in my life. Mm -hmm. And with the acrobatic work, and I, I think you probably got into it before like Cirque du Soleil and all of that stuff was big, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you look back, what is the main thing that brings you joy or gratitude for that time and, and that really unique line of, of work? Mm-hmm. Well, two things. One is the people that I met. You know, I always kind of felt like an outcast. I didn't ever feel like I fit in classic, right? And I felt like I found my people. Like when I found circus, I felt like I found my people. The second is just having this really unique way to express myself that felt really authentic to who I was, you know, being able to use the body that I had and the gifts that came with that body to say something, to express something, to convey something um, in this unique way was just 
really wonderful. So were you, were you doing trapeze or what exactly were you doing? I'm trying to get a visual here. Yeah, I did flying trapeze, but I did aerial silks as well. And then my main apparatus was something called a lira. It's like a circular trapeze. You might, you've probably seen them on television. They're often like shown in club scenes. You know, there's like a girl spinning around on a circular bar. And that was sort of the main apparatus that I did with a partner. And yeah, those things, anything that hung in the air was really <laughs> for the taking, unless I, unless it involved spinning, which for some reason I was never into, like not a fan of spinning. So interesting. Was it a situation where you had to overcome fear, like every show, every performance, or did you just get so in the mode of what you were doing that there were times where you didn't feel it come up? No, I was always afraid. And my teachers would always say, my coaches would always say, good, because you need that. You need that fear. You need that adrenaline so you don't fall. <laughs> it was seen as like an important part. But yeah, I mean, anxiety was definitely there. I remember some of the first performances I did were at Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut on New Year's Eve. And I was shaking. Like I felt like the audience could just see me like shaking, shaking, shaking. So it definitely got less, but I was always afraid before yeah. I performed every time. And yeah. when the ulcerative colitis, did I pronounce that right? When that yeah. started to show up, what was the root cause of that? Like why, why did it start to happen to you? Uh, so in terms of what I was told at that time, it was just genetic. Like I will never forget. I was diagnosed in Vermont in a hospital and they said, first thing I, they, you know, had put me under for this exam. And when I woke up, I just turned my head and the doctor said, are you Jewish? <laughs> what? Um, and he was just like, well, this is very common in Jewish people. It's like, okay. So, you know, from that perspective, from a Western medical perspective, it's an autoimmune condition. And like all of them, they're sort of unsure of the cause. From my own perspective, that's a whole different conversation. But I think that that's just my area of weakness. That's where I hold stress. That's where I hold tension. I think it has to do with a lot with, you know, the amount of antibiotics I took as a child, diet as a kid, all sorts of things. You know, I grew up in the nineties with snack wells and all sorts of processed things. So it's kind of hard to know. There is no like X plus Y equals Z in this arena, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or fortunately one of the two, depending on how you look at it. Right. As you were traversing your way through that, I mean, it's a, really powerful journey because you hear a lot about different autoimmune disorders. You know, I had them before my awakening, especially with eczema and things like that. But I mean, when your situation, you're talking six major surgeries and literally having your large intestine taken out of your physical body. I mean, that mm -hmm. is not small potatoes. And so as this was all happening, Man, I'm not even sure exactly what my question was, but I'm just curious for you, some of like the main spiritual or emotional medicines mm. that you had to face, like, did you carry shame and embarrassment? Did you like, what were some of the main things you had to work on? Oh yeah. I mean, so much shame, you know, even still until this day that will come up. I've done a lot of work on that, but 
the shame of how this manifests physically, you know, bleeding rectally is not like something that anybody I think wants to talk about all the stuff around bathrooms, like everything it's, it's just was, and especially with what I was doing. I mean, it was just so, it was just such a dichotomy of like, you know, who I was outside and who I was inside. And I think that beyond that, one of the biggest things I had to look at was I had to face myself really. And I had to face my responsibility and my role because I wanted to be a victim. I really did. I wanted to be a victim of this situation. Oh, this happened to me. This is just some horrible thing that happened to me. It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. And while I don't believe that it is anyone's fault ever when they're unwell, I have come to really value responsibility and really value looking at like, how did my stress levels, how did the way I was living my life, pushing my body so hard, you know, every day, even though my body was like, I'm sick, help. I was like, that's okay. We're going to train for eight hours and, you know, do all this physical stuff. So really facing that, that stress and that anxiety inside of myself that was coming out in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. And also, I mean, giving up my idea of what living a certain type of healthy life was meant to look like. There was so much shame at a certain point around not having healed naturally. That's something that I carried for a really long time because I was also, while I was going through all these Western medical treatments, I was also doing all the things you can think of in the natural world that I could get my hands on. I was very lucky. I had access to a lot, uh, you know, diet, all sorts of stuff. And I just felt like I had failed. I felt like I had failed to heal and I was a failure. And I was, you know, embarrassed that I couldn't, I didn't have that story that I could say, like, I healed myself naturally. And, you know, I changed my diet and I did this and I did that. And then look at me now, you know, all those things that I wanted for myself. So really having to come to terms with this is my body. I still get to love it. It's not a failure. Like this is what happened. Like whether it's meant to happen or supposed to happen, doesn't it, it is what happened. All of those things. Uh, I don't know if that made much sense, but yeah. all of those things came up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, just some reflections and relating to your story. Obviously our stories are very different, but I can understand in terms of, you know, with my distance running background and starting at such a young age and reaching, you know, the highest levels of, mm-hmm. of success. If you, if you define success as like winning and the pressure of always being the best, then I was there for many years. And I, in one of the child, uh, inner child or younger self meditations that I did many years ago, I think it was about my six or seven year old self came to me in that journey and came face to face with me. And I'll never forget it, you know, looking into my seven year old eyes and just seeing sheer terror and myself, that younger version of me, just like literally shaking and quivering of terror and her wanting me to finally see and acknowledge that that was the vast majority of my internal state in those younger years Mm -hmm. at that time, specifically due to the pressures of running and pushing my body, pushing all systems of myself to, you know, the farthest capacities and then beyond. And then once my body after running in college started to break down and those identities of being that runner girl started to break down, 
I then went on so many years that's only recently shifted where I would not move my body at all. If anybody tried to tell me what to do with my body, I would like the rage, the Kali fire in me would, you know, come up so instantaneously. And I just only recently started to take Pilates classes in my neighborhood. And mm. I'm just starting to find some ways that feel good, that are gentle entries into moving my body again. And I'm just sharing all of that because what was coming up for me is like, oh, wow, you know, you entering into the world of, of circus. And I mean, that's such a must carry such unique and wild energies. I mean, the word circus correlates to different things like, oh, that, that household's a circus or that, you know, you tend yeah. to think of just like wild, frenetic, crazy energies. And so you're in that circus world and pushing your body, you know, like you said, sometimes training for eight plus hours a day. And it's just interesting that in your way, and I don't want to put words into your mouth and correct me if I'm wrong, but then in, in your unique way, your body shutting down and saying like, no more in the loud, clear way that it chose to, and it needed to. Yeah. And the other thing I want to presence here is I think that part of it, while it was a love, part of it was a punishment for myself. You know, it was a way to control my body. I had an eating disorder as a teenager. I think that one other thing that I've had to look at is like, circus is punishing. It's punishing. It's very punishing. And there was something in me that sort of was able to satisfy that need to punish myself, whatever that, wherever that came from in this quote unquote healthy way now, right? Like now it's, it, it's okay because it's this career, this thing. And, but yet I'm still punishing my body. I'm still not listening to my body. I'm still overriding the messages and cues of my body, trying to control what my body looks like, how my body acts, all those things. And then even with illness, the other thing I've had to face is like, what did I get from that? You know, what did I get from having that? What, you know, it wasn't partially a way that I stayed thin. Maybe, I don't know, you know, probably there was a little nugget in there of that. I think that there was a time where the only way I felt like I was entitled to rest and relax was if I was unwell, like severely unwell in the hospital and well. That feels so big. that yeah. feels, that piece <laughs> feels huge. It was like some, yes, yeah, some deeper aspect of you is like the only way I'm gonna get out of this is to cause something so severe in my physical body that I literally can't push myself this much anymore. Exactly. I mean, I get shivers when you say that because it's, it's true. You know, it's true there. I, I was getting something from that. And now looking at that stuff feels really empowering. Like I feel like it's important to acknowledge that, you know, that I'm, I wasn't a victim to this illness it, as, as unpleasant as it was. Like it was partially something that I called because part of me was like, what can we do to get her to slow down? Like save me from myself. <laughs> yeah. Something, anything. We'll try this. Oh, that didn't work. Make it bigger, you know? Like, yeah. So I think there was a lot for that, a lot in that. And that's something I'm still learning. You know, I still to this day have trouble resting and relaxing. I'm much better at it. I really am. Like my self-care game is on point, but in, in a larger sense, like taking multiple days off or something like that, there's still that like New York drive in me that's like must produce, you know? So it's something that I really always look at and face for sure. Mm. 
Uh, such a powerful conversation. Thanks for being honest about uh, those aspects of your journey. And yeah, I'd love to weave it a bit more to present moment and the work do it. you're doing now. It's it's so cool. I ha had a chat and a session with Paul Alexander just this week for those listening. Mm -hmm. Paul is a dear friend of mine from back in my time living in New York City. And he's a Taoist shaman and acupuncturist. He's a professor of, I can't remember the exact title, at a, a college in Asheville and just all around great guy. And he's been on Ceremony Circle. I forget what episode number, but one of the earlier ones. And I know at different times you, you said that you ended up working with him a little bit. And I don't know if he had anything to do with you finding your calling or aligning uh, with this work at all. Did he have anything to do with you getting into this place or no? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, not in a, not in a linear way, but he's, he's had a very large influence just in general. He's someone that I really consider a deep ally and I did find him through your podcast, which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think for sure that on some level, you know, everything that he brings in is in such alignment with feng shui that it, you know, it's part of the same system in a way. So mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also interesting because the reason I asked if you could move our interview up earlier is because in my conversation with him, he shared this really beautiful Taoist ritual that he wants Luke and I to do. And it needs to be uh, the ritual needs mm -hmm. to be taken place at a certain time. And so I was like, okay, I've got to make this earlier. So Luke and I have time to do the bloodletting ceremony where we put our blood onto the mugwort. And by noon, we're cremating the mugwort outside. And like, it's true story, not making this up. So um, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting that he was involved almost in our interview time a little bit, but, um, yeah, take us through now, uh, you, the simple shui house therapy and what it is. Yeah, for sure. So I've been interested in feng shui for a really long time, but about two years ago, I came across a teacher. Her name is Amanda Gibby Peters, and she is the founder and visionary of simple shui, which is her company. And I started taking her classes when she started offering them. And then she offered a certification program last year, the first round of her certification program. And I took that as well. And so being a house therapist is actually something that she's trademarked. So it draws upon the wisdom of feng shui and it is feng shui. So we are talking about feng shui here, but, you know, I think the term house therapy allows a little more of personally my and i'm only speaking for myself not on behalf of not on behalf of house therapy but a little more of my own intuition my own experience to come into how i advise people in living in harmony with their home because feng shui is a really deep ancient wisdom there's several different schools of feng shui and different ways to practice it but it's something that in my opinion needs to be respected and honored for what it is and so blending those two and allowing that wisdom to speak through me in whatever way it wants to, and also bringing in my own intuition and my own sensitivities and training from previous things that I've done 
is what I think house therapy allows mm-hmm. for, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I have here, I think I got this from your website, that it's an ancient Chinese system of understanding the flow of energy in our homes, our relationship to and influence of that energy, how we can be an aligned harmony with our surroundings. Feng Shui draws its principles from the order of the natural world. That's the feng, or and that feng translates to wind and shui to water. Mm-hmm. Wind represents the energy we don't see, but see the effects of, and water represents fortune. Uh, So feng shui is coming into alignment with the energy of fortune, a way to spark opportunity in your life. And we can work with the energy of our space and belongings to set the stage for living a greater life and outer reflection of your inner world. I thought that was so, so beautiful and really speaks to me. And I remember when I was much younger and had not had my spiritual awakening yet, but my soul doing its desperate work to keep my truth alive to some capacity, I would always be led. My soul would always lead me to, you know, studying how to read palms and, you know, taking psychic courses. And one of the things that I did study at one point was feng shui, because it just, it really spoke to me and feels like there's so much ancient truth um, and wisdom to draw upon in in doing this work. So can you take us through a couple of the steps? Like I've had my personal consultations and, and sessions with you, but if if someone is like, oh, I've heard of this, and if I wanted to work with Cody, like what exactly does that look like? Can you share a bit of the roadmap of the work? Yeah, absolutely. So it always starts with just a conversation. I like to understand where people are coming from, what they're looking for, why are they drawn to feng shui, what's going on in their lives. I always look at this through a personal lens. Like, sure, there are ways that we can do practice feng shui that are just kind of, I don't want to use the word rules, but they're just set ideas from this lineage that can, can be enacted what, in a what space. What would be one um, example of those, like one of those set rules? Yeah, so for sure. One would be, uh, the first person that comes to mind is something that I mentioned for you, I think, is it's called command position. So this is the idea that in certain places in your home, namely when you're sleeping and when you're working, so if you have any sort of home office or if you're sitting at your dining room table, it doesn't really matter, but especially if you do have a home office or if you have an office elsewhere, this would also apply because feng shui isn't just in our home, it's any space we inhabit. So if you go to an office every day, you bring this practice there as well to the best of your ability. And basically what this is, is aligning yourself up so that you can see the door, but you're not directly in line with it. And the reasoning behind that is that for a couple of reasons, one on a very subtle level, if think of like a mob boss, right? When you see a mob boss in a restaurant, they're always facing the entrance because they want to know what's coming in. And that's kind of the same principle. So our nervous systems can relax so we can know what energy is coming our way without having to be on alert of maybe something's going to come from behind. So that while we're working and while we're sleeping, our body can really rest and relax. And the reason that we don't want to be directly in line with the door is that whenever we're talking about feng shui, we're talking about the flow of chi, the flow of energy. And we want that flow to be gentle. Like water is destructive when it's two things, when it's rushing and moving really quickly and when it's stagnant and not moving at all. So we're always trying to optimize the flow, just like water through our home in, you know, not literally, but figuratively the flow to be gentle. So putting yourself 
you know, so you can see the door, but not in direct alignment means that you're not going to be bombarded with too much energy, but you're going to be aware of what's coming your way. And is another one of those um, more steadfast rules of trying to place pairs of things in the bedroom to keep that energy of, of being in a relationship or... Yeah, for sure. I mean, unless somebody's in a place where they really want to be alone, like if they just want to be alone and they really want to call in alone, 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 which is pretty rare, but I mean, alone, not just with a partner, I mean, alone in life, like Mm -hmm. they want to live a hermetic life. They don't want opportunities coming their way. They don't want any business connections. They don't want any partnerships of any type or friendships or anything like that. Then that might be a situation where it wouldn't be as important but in general yeah having that that energy of collaboration is in the bedroom is important Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering why is this animal showing up so much for me, just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full page color illustration of each animal to learn its wisdom teachings and meaning so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An animal power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both animal power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website and when you visit there, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. You'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that I personally guide where you can meet your current power animal. I appreciate your support so much. And now back to today's show. Okay. So back to where you were with the roadmap, you like to see where people are at and then what? Yeah. And what their intentions are and what they're looking for and, you know, what, what are they wanting in their lives? What's working, what's not working. So we get really clear together on that and also getting clear on if they have the time and energy to make some changes, because just like anything, feng shui works when you work with it, it's a relationship. So you can have all the information in the world, but if you're not actually making any changes or taking any action, And these don't have to be big actions. They can be really simple actions, you know, like buying yourself fresh flowers every week or something very simple, but you do have to be in a place that you're ready to take some action. So we really, I really want to make sure that is the truth. Yeah, that resonates because after we did our session and you sent me my report that was, it was very easy to digest, but I think it was about, I don't know, 15 or 20 pages, something like that. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, because we took a tour of my whole house and, and that was, you know, a pretty abbreviated home report. And I remember after scanning through it and, you know, just taking a first round of digesting the information. Then my soul, like a couple of days later was like, okay, so are you going to do anything with that report or are you just going to scan it and you're good and not actually like take any steps to implement any of these suggestions in that report? And so then I was like, okay, I put it on my to-do list. And then the next step 
because I opened it back up and I chose to have my little journal next to me. And in reading back through a second time to take in the information deeper, then I wrote like the actual things that I needed or wanted to purchase to then implement the advice that you gave. And we'll probably get more into it, but one of the the areas that I put it like the primary take action steps now on was the baby altar. Mm-hmm. And I forget what's mm-hmm. the area in the home, in my home where you suggested to put that? Yeah, it's called children and creativity. So it's, uh, Allison's referring to something called the Bagua map, which divides your home like a tic-tac board into nine different life areas. And you can utilize these areas in your home to call in certain intentions, or if something is going on in your home that's challenging, you can work with the aligned space and someone like myself can help you figure out what those areas are and what they mean. They all also, they each also have different elements. There's a lot of depth to each of the areas, but in terms of what you're, I'm assuming you're going to continue talking about is that would have been the, you know, the best area from my assessment and from what you had shared with me to work with what we were calling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was really sweet. I love that idea. As soon as you said, like in our home for the listeners, we do have a designated baby's room, but because we're still configuring where our podcast studios will be, and they'll most likely be built into the second story of our garage because we have this huge ass garage temporarily while some shifts are going on in there we've moved a lot of the biohacking things in our home that were and part of the garage into what is technically the baby's room and one thing that i said to luke my husband when he asked me if i would be open to that first it was a no because i was like i don't want to move all this all you know hyperbaric oxygen chamber and these saunas and all these things that I actually do love to use, the biocharger device. I don't want to move the biohacking things into the baby's room because I want to hold space and honor the baby and let it know that it its room is ready. I don't want to fill it with something else. And so from my own energetic house therapy perspective, I was like, the answer is no. <laughs> when he explained, he came back a few weeks later and was like, honey, I want to revisit this. And this is why I'm thinking of temporarily moving things in here. It's so that we have freed up space in the garage to turn the garage into what we need it to be so that then the baby's room can go back to being the baby's room. And once I understood the bigger picture of why he was wanting to do that, then I was like, okay, that makes sense. And in explaining that to Cody, then she was like, well, how about, would you be open to then creating if the baby's room's temporarily being used like a a baby altar? And as soon as you said that, it just really excited me. And I've gone online, I've bought like a wooden rattle and the cutest little organic cotton yarn, like baby booty slippers. When I had my session with Paul this week to continue the conversation around the pregnancy journey in one of his tuning in visions, he saw, he was like, you know, telling me in real time, oh, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing pyramids, I'm seeing, and then he's like, wait a second, a seahorse just floated by. And I was like, oh, cool. (laughs) I I love seahorses. But what the funny thing is that I think it was the day of or after he said that when I went onto this baby's website where they have all these cute clothes and it's all organic cotton and stuff, there was literally a little, it was new in, it had said like new, and it was a seahorse, a a little seahorse stuffed animal. And so I was like, oh, 
definitely need to get that. So I bought that. So I bought a few really cute baby things that seem really healthy and made me so happy when I saw how cute they were. And they're on their way here. They've been shipped. And then I'll put them in this designated baby altar that's in the right area of our home to activate that energy. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, they're speaking to so much here, which is like, one of the reasons that I, the consult process with me for someone is usually a month long. We did a very abbreviated version for this purpose is because like, I've gone back to reports from consults that I've had with my teachers and other practitioners multiple times, sometimes a year later, like something will be like in my mind, like, wait a minute, I think there was something in that report. So, you know, my goal is always to open up a relationship, a different relationship. Everyone already has a relationship with their home. You're already in a feng shui relationship. It's already happening. Feng shui is happening whether we choose to work with it or not. Energy is moving through our space in some way, right? And that's just a given. So my goal is always to help people really be empowered in this relationship and and start to have a conversation with their home. And my teacher said, and this is totally been true for my own experience that your home will start, start speaking to you. So I think just, you know, the fact that you were drawn to this one thing is, is just perfect because that's the thing that feels the most aligned. And you never know, like three months from now or a year from now, you might be like, what was she saying about the kitchen or, you know, whatever it is. Like, there's always like that possibility that things come back. So I do like to give a lot of information and make it as comprehensive as I feel is appropriate because I know that that can happen, that, you know, things can sort of come back over time. Mm -hmm. The other thing I really appreciated was, you know, we, Luke and I had been on this year and a half renovation process of this home where we were literally taking her down to the concrete, the studs, removing, literally removing her walls. I mean, she went from having two different sets of previous owners, we're only the third people to ever live in her, but I'll just say, you know, the previous owners just, I feel related to and interacted with the home space differently than what Luke and I would want and would choose to. And it's no judgment, we're just all different people. But I just was very aware from my own opinion of not tending to the spirit of the home and not tending to the soul and in this beautiful space in the way that I would want the spirit of a home tended to. And so that was very, I was very aware of that. And then that coupled with doing such extensive demolition and renovation, Cody and I had this really powerful conversation around a, a lot of the, the elements of that. And one minor fear, it wasn't, you know, very severe at all, but I just thought, oh my God, we've spent a year and a half renovating this and creating our ultimate dream vision and energetics and I've tuned into the spirit of this home and honored her and the land and done, we've done such, I mean, like some of the deepest work of our lives, getting this home to where we have it. And then I'm going to have Cody go on a video tour and she's going to be like, nope, got to move that, got to change that. The fireplace, you put the fireplace in the wrong location. And so I was so relieved she didn't do that. But those were some of the mild fears <laughs> coming up. And when we had our consultation, I was so relieved. I think you started with saying like, look, you know, these are not, what's primary is what feels good to you. I'm not going to try to change all of the deep work that you and Luke did. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
there are some lineages that would look at a space and be like, this is wrong. That's wrong. And that's fine. That's just that lineage. But I just, I like to work with what people have. Like you could feng shui a four by six space and you could feng shui a mansion. And I think it's really important for people to feel good. I mean, my ultimate desire is that people feel supported and feel really good in their homes. And so I always want to start with recognizing and celebrating what people have done and what is working. And in my opinion, if it's not showing up as a problem, it's not a problem. So I have, you know, I have the education to understand what certain things could present as challenges. But if someone's not saying those to me, or if that's not coming up, then it's not a challenge. It's just, it's just working for you. So I always come from the perspective of loving your home already and uh, working with what's there and working with the person. Mm, Yeah, I really loved that. Um, And a couple other things that came up in my uh, home report, just because I think speaking to them helps paint the picture for other people in terms of what exactly this work is that you do and what might be possible for their um, place. I mean, you probably know my report better than me. I covered the baby altar area, uh, talked about the spirit of the home and yeah, and tuning into her, her just giving her space to integrate all of the all of the changes that we made to her bones, her structure, you know, she, she has went through a lot, has gone through a lot. And I do feel the spirit and bones of this home landing more and more and getting more assimilated. And I can really tell when those shifts are are happening where she's landing more and more, which is beautiful. And you let us know that our offices are in like ideal and where we will put the podcast studio, they're actually, thankfully, in the exact ideal locations where I'm sitting right now in my office upstairs. It's in the very front of the home. Luke's is downstairs, but in the very front of the home. And then our podcast studios will be even more in the front of the home because it'll be most likely in our garage. So I thought that was interesting and how using the stove every day, turning mm-hmm. the burners on. Yeah. Any other things like that, that could be intriguing for people to learn? Yeah, absolutely. So ideally you want work to happen in the front and you want rest to happen in the back. Just, it's sort of like a logical thing. Like this is who you are in the world. And now I'm out in the world and you know, anything, if you have a road in front of you, that's considered an energetic moving, right? That's actually considered water and feng shui. So you, it's a more energizing space. The front of the home is a more energizing space where the back of the home is usually a more quiet space. So that's sort of where those come in your home. They also happen to fall in really aligned Bagua life areas, which was really cool to see. And then in terms of the kitchen, so the stove is representative of prosperity. It's like the moneymaker in the house. So if you're struggling in any way or want to bring in more prosperity, not just money, but, you know, connections and prosperity, whatever, all the things that that word means, cook. (laughs) Or if you don't cook, just go um, to your stove and turn on all the burners for one minute and less than a minute, a couple seconds, and just feel that and, you know, set that intention. Like I do this and I say like, I'm igniting my full potential and power. And I just look at the flames and I watch them burn for a second and I turn them all off, but really using the stove, keeping that space clean and clear of clutter is a really great way to sort of keep that same energetic around your money, your wealth, your prosperity. And the idea comes from ancient times when it was seen that if you could feed your family, if you had the wealth to feed your family, that meant that they were healthy and could go out and work in the world and bring back resources for the family. So that's where that comes from. Mm, Cool. 
Yeah, well, I had such a great time working with you and just getting back into the energetics of, of feng shui, you know, because like I said, it had been so many years since I had delved into that area. And I was so excited when you emailed me and you were like, you know, would you consider this to, do you feel like you found your calling doing this work or having this be one of the main parts? Yeah, hundred percent. I feel really excited by this. I feel really free in it. I feel, yeah, definitely. The answer is yes, that this is something that I, I see myself committing to and doing for a really, really long time. And it feels really aligned. And I have had so many experiences with feng shui personally throughout the years. You know, I have the, the training now, but this all really started as my own personal personal experience. One of the things that I believe in and stand for the most and what I want for everyone is to feel sovereign in their health and to feel like they are not at the mercy of any system or person. And to me, working with your space is such a beautiful way to really enrich your life, to enrich your health, to enrich, you know, um, all aspects, your relationships, your wealth. Um, and to feel like you have an influence over your environment. I think we're really moving in that direction where people are considering their environments more now than they did before. And I do think it's such an important aspect of well-being. So I feel really honored and excited to have had the experiences that I've had with feng shui and now to be able to do whatever it is in the world <laughs> with that myself. Yeah, yeah, I got the sense that you had really landed in a pretty strong, clear alignment of your of your soul's calling and just the energetics around the mission of your incarnation and why you're even here, you know, your purpose. And it was beautiful for me to get that email from you saying like, this is what I've been up to. And, you know, and to feel to feel that excitement and to feel that passion energy around you with it. And I wanted to support you, you know, because I, with Ceremony Circle, what's most important for me is the energetic makeup of each guest. We're all human and all have all, all these various aspects of ourselves, but, you know, I always do my best to tune in and, and bring people on that are really in, in healthy embodiment of the, the teachings that they're talking about and, and the path that they're going down. And to me, it's not about uh, having the person on that's got, you know, a certain amount of followers or views or like all those number metrics that feel so old paradigm to me. It's like, mm. I want to talk to the Dogon high priest that just came out of hiding after his lineage hid their t teachings for 2,500 years. And that's never done an interview before. And I want to talk to, you know, you as your birthing, I know you've had clients and you've been doing this work for, for a little bit, but like, it felt really good to me to give back to you for, you know, being someone that's known me for a long time and taking care of my cat and to have just kind of watched from the peripheries your own personal journey and and i know the fabric of your being you're just a really good person and you have a lot of integrity and and that aspect is by far and away the most important uh metric that i gauge for who i have on ceremony circle well, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, and receive what you just said and your support means a lot to me. So thank you really deeply. I was looking at your new website today and it's beautiful. The pictures of you loving it. It's got a great vibe. <laughs> I feel like your website has great feng shui. 
<laughs> Thank you. It was a, I tried. <laughs> yes, yes. So tell everyone, and we'll get to your closing uh, practice in a minute, but if you can share first how people can find you and just ask questions about the, you know, having a session with you and what it would look like. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is agencywellness.org. You can read about all the things there. My Instagram is my name, C-O-D-Y, and my last name, M-A-H-E-R, and then the number 18. I do share a lot of feng shui tips and tricks on Instagram. I am not the most active social media participant, but I'm doing my best. I also have a class. So one of the things that Allison and I focused on her space was the three power spots of the home, which are really a great way to begin your feng shui journey. Like if you're curious and you're sort of like, I don't know if I want to get into a whole one-on-one -on -one consult, I created this course that's on the power spots and it's available. You can just sign up for the course and watch it at your leisure. Um, and I will give you, Allison, a discount code for that course for the participants. It's very affordable and a lot of fun. And it comes with a access to a telegram, private telegram group where you can ask me questions. So even though you won't have me live during the course at this time, you will have access to ask all your questions. Perfect. And yes, if you're interested in a one-on-one -on -one situation, I'm very open to that. And um, until probably about, I don't know, late April, because I am um, going to be on maternity leave after that for a little time. But yeah, I'm here. I'm available. I'm excited to talk to you about your space. Great. And where will the course be? Is that, will that be listed on your website? Yes. You can find it on my website under courses. Okay. And can yeah. we just say that the uh, discount code will be Allison, A-L-Y-S-O-N, my first name. Is that possible to just say, okay, cool. Yep. I didn't know you had that course. So that's awesome. So people can, yeah, start to dip into the work there. And I'll put a link to everything that she just said in the show notes and code Allison, A-L-Y-S-O-N will get you a soul fam discount. Okay, great. Well, I'll let you take it from here <laughs> for our closing practice. Okay, great. So as always, Allison always says, if you're driving, maybe pause. You're a listener. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, you to close you your eyes. <laughs> I am a listener. I've listened to pretty much all of them, I would say. Um, I'm a big fan of this of Ceremony Circle. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to just do a brief visualization. If you do have either your phone or a pen and paper handy at the very end, I'll ask you to write down just some, just a few words, but uh, it's not going to be a big writing exercise, but that is not necessary. You can do it in your mind as well. So let's just settle in and take a breath. And I'm just inviting you to let go of your thinking mind for a moment. And to allow your breath to drop you into your body. And just feeling the energy of listening and taking in information, settling. And feeling your body opening and deepening. And we're just going to go on a brief visualization together. You cannot do this wrong. So whatever comes up for you is perfect. I want you to imagine with your eyes closed that you're standing at the front door of your home or office where you spend a lot of time. And you're going to open the door and just 
take a walk around your space. Maybe you notice a piece of artwork that you haven't looked at in a while. Or there's a smell or a feeling of being home. Just notice how your body feels on this mind walk of your space. And as you start to land in this experience, I want you to go now to one of your favorite spaces in your house, a space that you love. This could be a room or it could just be a corner or a shelf, a drawer, a closet, whatever space you're drawn to that evokes feelings of love for you and you feel comfortable in this space. And while you're in this space, just want you to look around, see what you notice. And I want you to allow three words to arise in this space. And you're going to remember these three words easily. What does this space evoke for you? These words could be a color or a sensation or something like comfort, joy. Whatever comes to you in this space, just allow that. Great, good job. And now I want you to go to a space in your home that doesn't feel so good. A space that just feels either slightly off for you or you don't like spending a lot of time in. Some space that bugs you or that you keep saying you want to tend to but just never get around to. Again, this doesn't have to be a big space. It could just be a drawer or an area of your closet or under your bed. Allow yourself to land in this space and go through the same process. How does your body feel in this space? What do you notice here? And again, allow three words to arise that represent this space for you. Maybe it's a color. And just remember these words as you walk around one more time and thank your space for this experience that you've had together. And just go back out your front door and allow yourself to travel in your mind to where you currently are in your body, bringing all of you back into the present moment into your body, into the space. And take one nice deep breath 
And as you exhale, open your eyes and either write down or remember these six words that you've come up with. And I'll give you a moment to do that before I give you the big reveal. So as we've been discussing, feng shui is also a way to understand ourselves. We can understand ourselves through how we are expressing ourselves in our space. So the trick here is to just place the words I am in front of those six words and see what comes up for you after you do that. That's fun. So I would be, <laughs> I am heart, I am friends, I am joy, I am romance, I am sexy, I am intimate. Nice. Mirror. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, just a great starting spot, uh, place if it feels good to you to sort of see like, what is it that you're wanting more to express in your home? And what is it that maybe you want to move away from? Mm. And so I have a quick question. You, the space you created was so relaxing. I was, I, when I walked in <laughs> the front door, I saw that I need to go talk to a plant that's down there that needs a little love. Then I unexpectedly landed in my, in the island in our home, um, which surprised me for the place that like I love. I, I was like, oh, because the mm -hmm. I'm just not much of a kitchen person, but I was at the altar and that's where the heart the friends and the joy came in. And then when I was traveling to an area that needs a little bit of improvement, I went into the bedroom, but then I kind of like went off into the ethers. Mm -hmm. when, when the three words in the place that you want some improvement, what was the direction for the three words there? Like, were you trying to yeah, call the same the same thing? Like oh, words, ahead, words that you want or, or what does the space make you think of? Yeah. What does the space make you think of and feel? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so I need to correct that. Then I was tuning into, cause when you wrapped up the journey, I was like, wait, I got to finish the bedroom part. And then I kind of, I went in and was like, what are the three words that I'm wanting to bring in more of to have mm -hmm. like the essence even stronger in the bedroom. And that's where the romance, um, intimacy and whatever the other one was so i did that second sexiness part. sexiness yeah i did that part a little slightly incorrect so okay i think it still works because you can just sort of look at what you're thinking that was not as strong as you want so it's, yeah. it really works both ways okay yeah. cool that was fun um then i love yeah it's like so much happened in such a short time including me drifting off into total like i was like oh i'm far <laughs> far away right now um so thank you. That was so fun. So beautiful. So great to have you. Thanks for being on Ceremony Circle. Thank you so much, Allison. It was a great joy and I appreciate it so much. Mm -hmm. And thanks to the Soul Fam, as always, for sitting with us. And we will sit with you again next time. Woo-wee. What a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. 
And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.